I don't know if you heard the news yet. It's big news around here. And uh, no, it's not that the Browns won for the first time in uh, 600-something days, although that's, that's kind of exciting. We can cheer for, you know, former other uh, Ohio teams. I was excited to watch that game. Um, so it's not that. It's big news. It's not, it's not that Kentucky football is undefeated. I know I'm sure you guys have noticed that, though. Um, no, not that. Not that, although I just had to throw that in there. Um, no, we're not having another baby, and that's not what I'm telling you, so uh, that'd be news to me. Um, <laughs> no, it's that Kings Island is bringing back the old-fashioned cars. Is anybody else excited about that, or is that just me? It's like, yeah. I know some of you are like, I wanted it to be a roller coaster, and they're like, old-fashioned cars are coming back. Yes, this is exciting. Although this takes me back to my childhood, and I remember this was my first experience behind the wheel, and um, the, the only damage you could do is sort of like running in hard into the rail, which I did repeatedly. Um, but I love the old-fashioned cars, and it kind of brought me back to thinking about all the classics, right? And uh, get, don't get me wrong, I love the roller coasters, love Diamondback, love all that high-intensity, exhilarating kind of stuff. But I love the classics, you know? They don't make them like they used to, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, shake, rattle, and roll. Remember that? I could jump on that thing, and it... It wouldn't matter when I was a kid. Like, that thing would swirl me all over the place. Now I get on there, it's like, this is more like shake, rattle, and hurl. Like, I'm like, I can't do it. Like, I, my head just feels like it's going to explode. Um, but, but that's a classic. You know, they, they still have that out there. Uh, one of my other favorites is the gliders. Anybody like the gliders? You know, the patriotic gliders in kids land. Yeah, it's awesome. And they even let you steer them yourself, you know. And I feel like I'm like, look at how high mine's going compared to everybody else, you know. And I feel like I've got it mastered to, like, figure out the right angle of the, uh, maybe not. But I tell Aiden, I do, just watch Dad. He's, Daddy, let me steer. No, no, I got it, okay. Just relax. His favorite, and this is a classic for us, too, is um, the log flume. Any log flume people out there? We would ride the log flume on repeat if, if he got to, what do you want to ride now? We should ride the log. We just rode the log flume. Let's ride it again. All right, let's go. And so um, log flume's a classic. What about just the classic, and it's not just unique to Kings Island. It's all over the place, but the bumper cars. Anybody love the bumper cars? All right, the bumper cars is an interesting thing, you know, because here you are. You get, get in the bumper car. You load in, and they give you some sort of, like, seat belt that's just, like, basically a strap around your neck. Like, uh, I have no idea why it's designed that way, but I'm at least going to dislocate a rib if not, like, my, my neck ripped off, and so you get this, and then you get in there, and it doesn't take long before some little kid just, like, comes up and just rams you, you know, and you're like, all right, I see you, man. I see you, you know, and I'm, now I'm coming for you. Like, I see you, but along the way, you're getting hit, you're getting hit, and you're hitting a whole bunch of other people on your way, or maybe you're in there with some friends, and you're like, your friend gets you, because that's really the goal if you get in with two friends is, like, I'm, you're my target the entire time, but it's never just the friend that gets hit. And the other thing is with the bumper cars is in bumper cars, you're actually the weapon. So you think, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you. And the harder I hit that person, the more whiplash I get, right? And so I'm like, wow, like, I'm really actually punishing myself. And so this, this is the bumper cars. And um, what I want to do today is as we talk about this idea of, and the, the topic of the day is, we are wounded, but God heals us. We are wounded but God heals us. And as we think about this idea of being wounded, this idea of being wrecked, the truth is unforgiveness can be a lot like the bumper cars, right? 
Because all of us in some way or another, we've been wounded, we've been hurt, we've been wrecked. And usually when that happens, what we end up doing is saying, hey, i got to take this into my own hands. I'm going to get some retribution. I'm going to make you pay for what you did to me. But what ends up happening along the way is we crash into a whole lot of other things and a whole lot of other people, right? And we've seen this cycle play out maybe in our own life, maybe in our family. We've seen this cycle of the bumper cars play out where I'm aiming for you, but what I end up doing is running into my friends. I end up running into my career. I end up running into my future all in an effort to get even or make someone pay. And the truth is we've all experienced the bumper cars in one way or another. But the interesting thing is that in bumper cars you are the weapon. And not only does it intensify the wound within us, it perpetuates the wreckage around us when we practice unforgiveness. This is what happens is that we stay wounded when we practice unforgiveness. Maybe you've heard it said, hurt people, hurt people. Wounded people, wound people. Herbert Cooper, who put this great series together that we get to uh, continue on for the next uh, several weeks, uh, the way he says it is this. He says, unforgiveness is like setting yourself on fire and hoping the other person dies from smoke inhalation, right? And to use myself as a weapon to get back. And the truth today is that the worst part about unforgiveness is it blocks God's healing power in our life. It doesn't allow God to do what God wants to do, and that's to provide healing to us in our wounds and the areas of our lives where we've been wrecked or wounded or hurt. And so what I want to do today is give you five beliefs that keep us living wounded. So these are beliefs that we hold, these are ideas that we live by that are going to keep us living wounded if we allow them to, and they'll block us from receiving the healing power that comes through forgiveness. And the first belief that we often hold is this, that forgiveness minimizes what happened to me. Forgiveness minimizes what happened to me. We think to ourselves, if I forgive them, it will overlook what they did to me. They stole something from me. They ruined my childhood. They wrecked my family. They took advantage of me. They knew better. They deserve to be punished. And so in our minds, we think that if I forgive them, if I let them off the hook, then it will devalue or minimize what happened to me. But what I want to tell you this morning is this, God sees you. God sees you. He knows your pain. He knows your wound. He hears you as you've cried out to him. He knows the depth of your wounds. God hears the cries of the oppressed. He is near to the brokenhearted. He fights for the afflicted. This is What we read of when we read the scripture, we see a God who sees you. And so friends, listen to me. No wound goes unnoticed by God. And in Psalm 147.3, it says, he heals the brokenhearted. And we get this picture of a God who, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. God is the one that brings healing. No matter how many times you jump back in the bumper car, you're not going to find healing that way. But God sees you. He knows the depth of your wounds. We uh, are in the stage now with Eli. I knew it would arrive because the same thing happened with Aiden, where Eli can now successfully get out of the crib. So this isn't a good thing for us because when he goes in the crib, we want him to remain trapped in the crib. And so he's figured it out. And I knew because he's strong. Like he'll, he'll pull himself up over top of stuff. And I'll be like, wow, that is just impressive. But one day, Jess is just like, 
listening, and all of a sudden she hears like something like he hears him like up in his room, and then all of a sudden there's this loud boom like on the floor up in his room, and like what is that? And so she goes up, and he's just sitting out there like with this big grin on his face, and he's like, I figured it out. I got you guys now. You know, you thought, you thought you were keeping me trapped in here, and one day, so, so what she had to do was, you can see now that the mattress is now, there's no little inner, like, springs under it, straight to the floor, brother, all right? We're bringing that, that uh, cage up a little bit taller for you, because when you're supposed to be sleeping, you're supposed to be sleeping and napping, that's the rule at our house, but he's like, why stay trapped in here when I can be free and run out there, right? It makes total sense, and so he figured out a way to break himself loose. And what I want to tell you is this, forgiveness is about setting someone free. Forgiveness is about setting someone free, and that someone is you. Why stay trapped when you can experience the freedom that God wants to bring you through forgiveness? God hears you. He wants to heal you. So my challenge, challenge number one is this, break out. Break out. Don't stay trapped any longer. The second thing that will keep us living in these patterns of bumper cars and continue to uh, keep God from healing us is this. This is a second belief. Confrontation is bad. We believe that confrontation is bad. And some of you, more than us, some of you are really good at it. You're like, I'm just, I, I find confrontation everywhere I go. That might be a different issue. But um, <laughs> some of you are like, I'm so, I can't bring something up. Like, I, I just can't. That person wounded me. That person hurt me. I just can't. Um, some of us would rather do just about anything than confront a conflict. We're like, I'll just deal with it silently. Like, it, it'll be all right. But then it grows, right? We know this. With, if you don't say something about it, what happens? It continues to grow. It's way too easy to just try and move on and ignore a problem, but then you just get madder, you get madder, you get madder until something triggers you and you're like, whoa, like somebody, everybody's like around you like, what just happened? Like I, and they had no idea that something's been growing inside of you for this period of time. And it's like, look out. But unchecked grudges have this tendency of growing. They eat away at you from the inside out. And I love the Apostle Paul because he never operated this way. He followed the mandate in Matthew for dealing with conflict. Have you heard the Matthew 18 mandate? Do you operate by it? Here's what it says. Here's what the Bible tells us to do when it comes to conflict. It says this. If your brother sins against you, because it will happen, right? We know that it will happen. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So the first challenge, go to your brother, right? It seems simple enough. If your brother sins against you, go to your brother. If he listens to you, you've gained a brother. But if he doesn't listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established um, by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And so challenge number one is go to your brother. And I love it because Paul did this. Paul had an issue with Peter one time, right? And this is what happened. Paul documents it in the scriptures in Galatians 2, 11 through 14. But when Cephas, who's the name for Peter, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. He's like, it sounds intense. Well, it's like he opposed him to his face, right? I, I, I stood up to his face. I, I said it to his face, right? And so he's sort of like, wow, Paul kind of looks like a punk here. But what he's saying is, no, I opposed him to his face as opposed to the ways that we like to oppose people, right? It's way better than the way we often operate. I'll oppose you behind your back, right? 
or I'll oppose you in my quietly in my mind, and I'll let that grow and grow, and I'll have so many arguments with you in my mind that I will set you straight in my mind, right? Or I'll oppose you with some generic statement on Facebook, like, I hate it when people dot, 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 right? And then that, that's, that's how I'll oppose you, right? And so we like the indirect approach, right? It's like, well, hopefully they get the message, right? But what Peter is saying here, or what Paul is saying here, is I opposed him to his face, right? I looked him in the eyes, brother to brother, and said, hey, and that doesn't have to be, you know, that doesn't have to be a challenging thing. That doesn't, that could be a healthy and a loving thing. It should be. Not only is it cowardly to do it the other way, but it's unhealthy and unbiblical. Um, my, my wife and I, Jess, we've, for a long time, even when we were still dating, we had this thing that we would do, and we would have a conflict or an argument, and we still do it today, and uh, we'll soon be continuing to just teach our, our kids this as well. But we just have this thing, and we would just say, we call it squashing it, right? So there would be a conflict. Inevitably, there will be a conflict. And so what we would do is, like, okay, let's talk it out first. Like, let's bring it, everything on the table. Let's get it out there. And then what we would do when we were done with that, I'd say, okay, we're throwing it down, and we, like, actually squash it. Like, that one's squashed, all right? Because we, we handled that, right? We talked through that. We squashed that one. And what that prevents us from doing is going back and getting it back up later and saying, all right, let's talk about this one again. Right? Because, no, we've already squashed it. That one's gone. And so once we squash it, we can't bring it back to life. It's dead. It's gone. Confrontation allows us to clear the air. It allows us to squash things so that we can move beyond things. And this is something I love about Jess is that she never brings old ammunition to a new fight. All right? She never brings old ammunition to a new fight. And it's okay because I give her plenty of new ammunition. She's ne- she never runs out. Right? But confrontation allows us to squash it, okay, so that we can move beyond it. All right, belief number three that we hold on to that will keep us leaving wounded is this. It takes two to forgive. It takes two to forgive. And we, in our minds, are like, well, I can't go there right now because the way they will respond. I just, I, they won't respond well. They won't hear me correctly. They won't know what I'm trying to say. And it does not take two to forgive. But what if they don't respond the way that I hope they do? This is something that you need to hear. Their response is not your responsibility. Their response is not your responsibility. Here's what Romans says. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will reap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. A friend of mine recently was sharing about a situation that he had with some coworkers, and it was it was a bad situation, and everything that he would try to do to, to make peace with the situation just wasn't working to change the situation. And so we had the opportunity to pray together and and. At the end of the day, I love what he finally told me. Um, he said, listen, as I, as I prayed, what I found is they didn't change, but I did. They didn't change, but I did. I said, what, here's a crazy thought. It really is a crazy thought. What if God doesn't change your circumstances as we do what the Bible tells us, which is, this is Jesus. He says, pray for those who persecute you, right? That's tough. That's countercultural. That feels really, really difficult at times. 
But what if through that, God didn't change the circumstance, God didn't change the other person, but at the end of the day, God changed you and your ability to to live and operate and move in that situation. So here's a crazy thought. It really is. It's countercultural. Jesus said it. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But here's what I tell you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wait, what? You want me to pray for that person that wounded me? You want me to pray for those people that continue to condemn me and continue to come after me and continue to persecute me and ridicule me? Those people that I have to deal with on an every... You want me to pray for those people? Jesus is saying, listen, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. I'm telling you something different. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Man, that could be a game changer if you would do that. Because your response is your responsibility, even if their response is not. And so what if you took time this week, and you can think about those, who those people are, and probably you know. What if you took time to pray for the person who persecuted you? Forgiveness doesn't take two. Forgiveness takes you. The fourth thing is this. Forgiveness and reconciliation are the same. Another belief that holds us captive and continues to perpetuate this cycle of bumper cars in our life is this. Forgiveness and reconciliation are the same thing. And so we think in our minds, if, we, if I forgive them, that means I have to let them back into my life. i got to let them back in. And their behavior is toxic. It tears me down. It tears my family apart. And so what, what does that mean for me? And so we think that forgiveness and reconciliation are the same thing. Now, don't get me wrong. Reconciliation is a really, really good thing. I think God that God wants to achieve reconciliation, but it's not always God's will to reconcile. It is always God's will to forgive. Here's what um, Jesus tells us in Matthew, um, in Matthew 18 again, Matthew 18, 22 through 23. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? And he says, up to seven times? Like, that's the question. You even seven times? Like he's saying seven times sounds like a lot to me. Like if they wronged me seven times, it, man, the eighth time, surely like I can just punch them. Like that's, that should be the okay time when they say, no, 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 no. Not seven times, I tell you, but 77 times. And he's not saying that on the 78th time you can punch them either. He's just saying, listen, this, you keep on forgiving. You keep on forgiving because this is always God's will is for you to forgive so that you don't stay strapped in unforgiveness but it's not always God's will that you reconcile keep forgiving and by all means seek reconciliation but be wise forgiveness doesn't always require reconciliation the fifth thing is this and this is big forgiveness isn't possible some of you even as I'm saying this you're thinking yeah Josh I get it like this is all good stuff Um, or maybe like this isn't that I'm not really that interested either way You're still thinking to yourself, you don't know my situation. You don't know what happened to me. You don't know the situation that I'm in. And I'm just telling you right now, I cannot forgive. I can't. You're right. You can't forgive. But God, right, that's the series, but God can bring healing and wholeness to your situation. God can allow you to experience 
forgiveness. And so this mentality that I just can't do it, I'll just keep pressing on, right? I'm just going to keep living wounded. I'm just going to keep dealing with this thing, even though I know it eats away at me, even though I know I'm crashing this thing into my career, I'm crashing this thing into my future, I'm crashing this thing into my family. I'm not able to be all that I want to be because I've got this wound that I'm carrying. You can't do it, but God can. I remember, and I've, you guys know this, I'm very injury prone, so I've had plenty of injuries over the years. And, uh, but my mentality with injuries has always been just push through, right? Like, just push through that. It'll be all right. You know, like, I'm, I, I'm like, barely walking. But I just push through. Come on, like, toughen up. Like, you can get through this. And I had one injury that was, a lot of them I was able to push through. But when I, I hurt my back, I, I did try to push through. And then I finally went to see my, Ken, my friend uh, Kevin, and, uh, who's a doctor, and I was like, hey, man, um, this really hurts. Like, I cannot, I can barely walk. Like, I, this is just getting, seems to be getting worse and worse. And I love his response. It's so simple. He's like, wait, how long have you been dealing with this? Why did you wait? Like, why did you wait to come in to see me? Like, why, did you just, and I told him, I, I, well, I thought I could push through. I thought it would get better. And he's like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, you know, like that, no, don't do that, and then so now, like, anytime, like, I start to feel anything, I'm like, hey, bro, I need to set up an appointment, like, let's, let's get it taken care of, you know, let's get it worked out, and it's an amazing thing, because here's the truth, time does not heal all wounds, we've heard this said, time heals always, just give it enough time, and that wound will eventually heal, it actually makes some wounds a lot worse, and some of those are the very wounds that you guys are experiencing and seeing happen in your life. And that's why Paul gives the Ephesians a different kind of charge. He says, listen, do not sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Did you hear that? Anger gives a foothold to the devil. These unresolved conflicts inside of us, these unresolved wounds inside of us, give us an area of our life where we are exposed to the work of the enemy. And so we've got to make sure that we don't let the sun go down while we are still angry. And some of you take that scripture quite literally, which isn't a bad thing. But the principle really is this. The best time to forgive is now. The best time to forgive is now. I know, I know, you can't. You're absolutely right, you can't. But God, through his power, can. All time does often is let the disease grow inside of you. And so now is the time to go and see the great physician and say to him, God, you've got to let me, help me let go of this thing. You've got to heal me and bring healing to this situation. And the truth is, forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is unnatural. Forgiveness is countercultural. And forgiveness may be impossible for us. We might feel that we can't, but God can. And so my challenge to you is this. And, and not like, hey, I'll think about it in a few weeks, right? Like, maybe I'll get around to that. Or, hey, I get what you're saying. And, and we'll, I'll, 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 I'll table that idea for just a little bit. Like, I'll, I'll come back to it. No. You can't wait any longer. You can't continue to block God's healing power in your life. The best time to forgive is now. And so as we conclude here in just a little bit with, with another song and just a little bit of time to reflect here, just encourage you to be thinking about it. Who is it? 
Who's that person that's wounded you? Who's that person that your anger just builds? Just thinking about them, you feel your blood pressure start to rise up inside of you, right? Maybe it's just something simple that happened this past week and your spouse wounded you in some way and they don't even know that they wounded you and because you've been just battling with that inside. And so let me just challenge you in some very practical ways. Who do you need to go to and be like, hey, listen, you didn't even know I was holding this against you, but I've been holding this against you. I've been holding on to this. This has been building, right? Or maybe you need to go to somebody and it's been years, right? It's been a long time and you just need to write them a letter. And as far as it depends on you, you don't, know, you don't know what they'll do with that or how they'll receive that. They might take it and burn it up. But as far as it depends on you, you feel like you need to make something right. You need to clear the air on something. And so for some of you, your, your application is this, write a letter to somebody. And maybe you really were a jerk and you know that. And you're like, I just don't know how to go about just saying, seeking forgiveness from somebody. Well, just start somewhere right? Just start somewhere. Write a letter. Make a phone call. Make an apology. Confront an issue. Let go of whatever you are holding on to. One of the ways we say it around here is drop the stones, right? We don't need to be carrying any extra baggage, so let's drop the stones. Let's not be stone throwers. Let's be extenders of forgiveness, and here's why. Because we were forgiven first. We were forgiven first. We have wounded the heart of God time and time again. But he continues to extend us grace and forgiveness. And in Matthew 6, 14 through 15, it says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. And so if nothing else, if no other reason is compelling to you, just look at that command of Scripture to say, it's time to forgive. The best time to forgive is now. I want to pray for you. The band's going to come back up here, and uh, we're going to get the opportunity to sing another song and just appreciate God for the depth of his forgiveness. And as we consider how great God's forgiveness was for us, and we clear the air with God here uh, in a few moments, just to say, God, look, I've blown it time and time again. Thank you so much for your grace, because the more that we can grasp the forgiveness and grace of God, the more it compels us to extend that same forgiveness to others. Let's pray. Father, just want to thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you, God, that though it feels impossible to us, God, that we would be able to forgive, that we would be able to let this person off the hook, God, we know that all things are possible with you. And God, you know the individual needs around the room. You know what wounds people have, God. And I just pray that maybe you just whisper in their ear right now, God, that you see them. That you know they're hurt, God. And God, I just pray that you would reach out your healing hand. And I pray that some people throughout this week would be able to release some things that allow them to walk through life a little lighter, a little less wounded. I just pray, God, that by your power you would help us to get out of the bumper car, to break free from where we've been trapped in unforgiveness. We love you. We praise you. We pray this all in Jesus' name.
Amen. Obviously, you know, live in a world that is uh, broken and hurting and full of darkness. And we just want to celebrate that God shines light and his light never ends. It is endless and uh, something that we can always look to and find when we need it the most. From the highest throne to the earth below, you laid down your life for the likes of us. Great is the love of the Savior. From a wounded heart to a life made whole, every human heart will declare as one. Great is the love of the Savior. 